ladies and gentlemen. This is uh, your man glass again of aesthetic sound waves. Well, I'm going to give, first of all, the title of this show today is called The Sir David Lean Experiment. For those who will hear it later, you will get it. Um, this is, uh, I've been wanting to do this episode for a very, very long time. Since, I want to say, beginning of last season, but it was around episode 15, but I wanted to get it done right, and I had a certain way I wanted to do it, so that's why I waited till uh, I got my new program. So, that said, I am very proud to bring you this episode today, um, and very excited to uh, bring to you this episode I've had in my head for a long time. For those who don't know, hmm, okay, straight up, actually, i got to give two things before I get into this. For those who do know, who have seen the movie Gandhi, uh, my dad used to play this a lot when I was a kid. And um, it was probably some that actually it was, uh, it was we would, my dad would pl play Ravi Shankar and a lot of Indian music on our reel to reel we had at home, I recall, as a young kid. So I grew up hearing it as a uh, young child. But he also liked this movie, and I recall uh, seeing it as a very young child, as he said. So, <laughs> in some ways, when I want, put this episode together, I actually without with no without the intention of trying to intentionally made this episode almost like the beginning and the end of the film minus certain things it just kind of caught up so it, got, it goes to show the power of the mind and how it can influence uh, how you do things how things stick with you anyway uh, yeah I like how this came out though um, uh, so what I did little um, history, actually, before we go any further into this, too. There were, uh, hmm, this, okay, what I did with this episode today, unlike the last episode, I, I really based it off meditation to, you know, just to, for people to meditate and to relax, so forth and so on. So, I wanted to do this my way today. And what I did is I did a so-called remix, and that's why I called the Sir David Lean Experiment. For those who have seen the film, you know how it, how it goes, and I, as I said, I almost, without doing it, based it off the film. Um, you'll see what I did in my own little way. You'll enjoy it. Um, I know my dad's up there right now smiling and laughing, so, you know, uh, dedicated to you also. But... <laughs> What I did is I took a 78, old 78 RPM record that I got from a record store. No, excuse me, not from a record store. I'm a little tired. Um, I, I actually had to end up ordering this offline. But he actually, uh, it's, it's called, uh, Gandhi only um, recorded two speeches his whole life. His actual voice was heard on 
78 on, on uh, what has ever heard. One was recorded in 1931, which this is. This is uh, entitled His Spiritual Message. And the other one was around uh, 1944. That was the political one speaking about uh, the separation between Pakistan, India, and uh, wars at the time, so to speak. Um, but it said this one was recorded in 1931 uh, the, in England. Columbia Records, they had some phonograph recording equipment over there, and they're like, oh, we've got to get him on there, right? So they wanted him to speak about something political. He said, no, no, no. Uh, I'm going to give a spiritual message. So, thus, this record, which is a very, very rare find, is entitled His Spiritual Message. Side A, beginning, and side B, the conclusion. Um, I'll get you with you further in a second. Uh, a little more tidbit on Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi. He was assassinated in 48. Uh, after 48, the years during his life and after. A hundred thousand copies of this 78 were made. Very few exist today and if you do you paid a pretty price A to get one or B you have something very special not just price wise um, but you have something very historical on your hands so don't get rid of it. I, uh, I cherish this um, for many reasons. Um, it was repressed after his assassination, but even uh, then, so, as he said, not very many exist today. This speech, though, if you think about it, is like, what, 87 years old? 80, I mean, this thing's an old speech, you know? So take care of these things. I know I have. I don't play this on a regular. I have it wrapped up. Um, I keep it for the historical value, big time. So that being said, the reason why I tell you this is because what I did is I took this record, and you're gonna see what I did. I put the beginning for the beginning and the conclusion at the very end of this. And I mixed it into a background <laughs> with an ocean, and also uh, another track entitled Raga Anada uh, Berava Ber Ber uh, by Ravi Shankar. It's off the album West Meets East 2. Uh, his uh, guest musician is Yehudi Minuin, a violin uh, violinist, classical violinist. Anyway, this episode came out 110% perfect the way I wanted it to. And it took me a while, but I am so proud to bring you this, so I'm going to shut up with that said. And bring you Sir David Lean experiment. Thank you for all the tune-ins and thank you for listening. And I hope and I know you will enjoy. So until next episode, ladies and gentlemen, the Sir David Lean experiment. Listen till the very end. It's uh, quite an interesting listen. This is your man, Glass. Signing out. Until next episode.
there is an indefinable, mysterious power that pervades everything. I feel it, though I do not see it. It is this unseen power which makes itself felt and yet defies all truth, because it is so unlike all that I perceive through my senses. It transcends the senses, but it is possible to reason out the existence of God to a limited extent. Even in ordinary affairs, we know that people do not know who rules or why and how he rules. And yet they know that there is a power that certainly rules. In my tour last year in Mysore, I met many poor villagers and I found upon inquiry that they did not know who ruled Mysore. They simply said, some god ruled it. If the knowledge of these poor people was so limited about their ruler, I, who am infinitely lesser in respect to God than they to their ruler, need not be surprised if I do not realize the presence of God, the King of Kings. Nevertheless, I do feel, as the poor villagers felt about my soul, that there is orderliness in the universe. There is an unalterable law governing everything and every being that exists or lives. It is not a blind law, for no blind law can govern the conduct of living beings. And thanks to the marvelous researches of the Desi it can now be proved that even matter is life. That law, then, which governs all life is God. Law and the lawgiver are one. I may not deny the law or the lawgiver because I know so little about it or him. Just as my denial or ignorance of the existence of an earthly power will avail me nothing, even so my denial of God and his law will not liberate me from its operation, whereas humble and mute acceptance of divine authority makes life's journey easier even as the acceptance of earthly rule makes life under it easier. I do dimly perceive that while everything around me is ever changing, ever dying, there is underlying all that change a living power that is changeless, that holds all together, that creates, dissolves, and recreates.
that informing power of spirit is God. And since nothing else that I see, merely through the senses, can or will persist, he alone is. And is this power benevolent or malevolent? I see it as purely benevolent, for I can see that in the midst of death, life persists. In the midst of untruth, truth persists. In the midst of darkness, light persists. Hence I gather that God is life, truth, light. He is love. He is the supreme good. But he is no God who merely satisfies the intellect if he ever does. God to be God must rule the heart and transform it. He must express himself in every smallest act of his votary. This can only be done through a definite realization more real than the five senses can ever produce. Sense perceptions can be and often are false and deceptive, however real they may appear to us. Where there is realization outside the senses, it is infallible. It is proved not by extraneous evidence, but in the transformed conduct and character of those who have felt the real presence of God within. Such testimony is to be found in the experiences of an unbroken line of prophets and sages in all countries and climes. To reject this evidence is to deny themselves. This realization is preceded by an immovable faith. He who would, in his own person, test the facts of God's presence can do so by a living faith. And since faith itself cannot be proved by extraneous evidence, the safest course is to believe in the moral government of the world and therefore in the supremacy of the moral law, the law of truth and love. Exercise of faith will be the safest where there is a clear determination, summarily, to reject all that is contrary to truth and love. I confess that I have no argument to convince through reason. Faith transcends reason. All as I can advise is not to attempt the impossible.